When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to another edition of the Penscast Mailbag. I am your host, Garrett Bahanna. As always, alongside me, he is a fellow contributing writer over at Pensburg.com, the co-host of the Penscast and the Penscast Mailbag. It is Robbie Noggle. Uh, Robbie, as we record this on the evening of June 26th, a little bit later than what we typically when we typically record, but uh we have some very, very exciting things happening behind the scenes at the Skating Penguin Network that we can't wait to fill everyone in on in the not-so-distant future. But until then, until we can't officially unveil some of that information, we have another mailbag coming at you this week. 21 different questions from quite a variety of people, including a couple of names that I definitely at least one that I definitely don't recognize is definitely a new player in the mailbag here. If you would like to continue to contribute to this mailbag episode that we do, you can do so by following the Skating Penguin Network on Twitter at PenguinsFFSN. Every week we will send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in these mailbag episodes. And we will alternate back and forth as we always do. Robbie, you get question number one. And we will go back and forth. Question number one comes from Logan Krenke. Do you see any teams, Robbie, that want to dump a player's salary that may be in a cap crunch that Kyle Dubas would want to take a chance on, a la Taylor Hall, to the Chicago Blackhawks as recently as today? Absolutely. I think a big team to watch uh, here in the next couple days and even into early parts of free agency uh, is the Calgary Flames. And I believe it was mentioned on the podcast before, Noah Hannafin uh, being a name to watch, but also Tyler Toffoli, uh, Elias Lindholm, Michael Backlund. Seems like they're going to go into a uh, bit of a mini rebuild here. So it looks like Calgary will be looking to dump some contracts here. And Hannafin, uh, I believe it's also a, a future question on this very mailbag that, that we'll kind of de- delve into a little bit later. But you look at guys like Backlund, uh, a year left on his contract. Elias Lindholm, a year left. Same with Toffoli, only a year left. Hannafin, a year left. And uh, some really interesting names popping up here uh, with the Flames. Another team uh, to watch out for. The Panthers have some money that needs moved. Even Boston's still kind of in that iffy area. They did get rid of a chunk, but uh, they might be looking uh, to get rid of some more. They're roughly at $10 million, almost $11 million. Uh, free now so um, maybe they're looking to move someone to open up a little more space to kind of rework their roster a little bit after their one great season but also obviously disappointing end to their season so 
yeah, a bunch of names to keep uh, to keep an eye on there. Really watch out for Calgary and Boston because I don't think, uh, even though Boston made one move, I don't think they're done. Calgary has a lot of pieces that I think they're going to be looking to move. So uh, very interesting next 24, 48 hours leading up to round one of the draft on Wednesday. Uh, and then obviously we have the buyout period ending on Friday. Uh, and then free agency begins at noon on Saturday. So a lot, uh, a busy week here. A question number two from Woody, and it's not so much a question as a statement uh, that Garrett can kind of either agree or disagree with. Uh, Woody says he would not sign, not re-sign Jason Zucker. I like him, but his, with his age and his injury history, I let him walk. Yeah, Woody is, uh, don't, if you're listening to this, Woody, uh, I definitely did get the questions that you submitted. Woody is definitely, definitely a newcomer to the mailbag this week, but he has since taken the opposite approach that a lot of people who have submitted questions for the mailbag seem to have regarding Jason Zucker and his future. And it's, it's, it's not, it's a valid argument as to why you would stay away from Jason Zucker. If you're against it, you look at Jason Zucker as a 31-year-old forward who has had various ailments throughout his Penguins tenure. This this past season, 2022-23, was by far and away. This was the season that they were hoping for when Jim Rutherford acquired him uh, a couple of seasons ago. 27 goals, 48 points in 78 games played. In 2021-22, he had played in 41 games. 2020-2021, 38 games. And he came over in a trade from the Minnesota Wild in 2019-2020, playing in 15 games. So injuries, yeah, have definitely been a concern. Also a concern, how much is he going to cost you? Uh, is he going to cost you close to what his current cap hit is? 5.5-ish million? Do you try and get him to go a little bit lower, try and take something of a hometown discount. I think I saw last week, uh, we had a question that it was about 4.8, 4.9 million. If you can come in around there, that would be a win for the Penguins. But I can definitely see there are members of the, the Penguins fandom that would be against Jason Zucker. And I'm playing devil's advocate here. I think absolutely Jason Zucker would be a boost to that top six alongside of Genny Malkin. But I also wouldn't be against it if they could not come to terms you still have 20-ish million in salary cap space. You could hypothetically use that for a younger forward who maybe maybe is not as proven as Jason Zucker, but maybe also maybe doesn't come with as much mileage on the body and quite the injury history. I, I've gone back and forth being in favor of re-signing Jason Zucker, but from Woody's perspective, I can absolutely see why uh, some members of the fan base would like to go in a different direction. Question number three comes from Nathan and Schneider. Robbie, it's a twofer for you from Nathan. Question number one, could you see a St. Louis Blues defenseman as a target for the Penguins, considering, at least according to some reports, that St. Louis has been trying to move on from a couple defensemen for a while now? And question number two is a look into the future for you. If the season is not going well by the trade deadline, could you see Kyle Dubas switching into fire sale mode? For the first part with the defenseman, the problem with the defenseman on St. Louis's roster is the big ones that would save a lot of uh, money are a, the contracts are lengthy. You're looking at a minimum of four years if you target like a Justin Falk or Tory Krug, though it does look Tory, like Tory Krug may be heading to Philadelphia. 
Uh, Colton Pareko, uh, he's 30. He has at least uh, one, two, three, at least six, seven years left on his contract at six and a half million. Unless you're moving out like a Jeff Petrie, I, I just, man, that, those are really pricey and really long contracts. Um, even if you're kind of in that win now mode, uh, Pareko, I think, would be absolutely fantastic. And Pareko fills that right handed. Uh, he is a great D uh, defenseman. So him and Falk both uh, fill out that uh, that need. But you'd have to be sending out a guy like Petrie. Again, you're taking on a long contract. And I just don't know if either of those two guys, with the likely, with the uh, apparent move of Krug uh, to Philadelphia taking him off uh, the market, I just don't. Not really, not really a fan of either of those contracts at that price, unless there's some money retained there. Uh, and question number two, uh, or the part number two of that, um, I don't see any situation where the Penguins go full fire sale, um, at least while Crosby and Malkin are still there. Uh, I really just don't see it. And I mean, I, I, I don't see next season them being as bad as they were this season. Um, I think they will be an improved team, and I think at the deadline. They're going to be kind of in the same situation where really they should have been this year, which was uh, trying to buy and buying more than a guy like Mikel Granlin. So I, I think they'd have to be in truly dire straits uh, to go into a full fire sale. But um, hey, you never know what happens. But I really don't see the Penguins going into what I would call a full fire sale uh, as long as Crosby and Malkin are on the roster. Uh, question number four from Noah Jordan. Who do you want us to take at 14, meaning pick 14 in the first round of the NHL draft? Uh, and what do you expect to see the Penguins do at that pick? So as I've said before, a draft expert, I am not. But after looking at some mock drafts, looking at some player analysis here for some potential players that could be available at 14, you're looking at forwards like Gabriel Perot, a left winger Zach Benson from the WHL. One mock draft I'm looking at right now comes from Pensburg.com. A big, uh, big winger Matthew Wood, six foot four, playing in the NCAA. He has a great set of hands, an NHL ready shot. Again, everybody loves to talk about and loves to dream about those big wingers. Uh, potentially could become something of a Tage Thompson-like winger at, at, with his massive frame. Looking at some other names, uh, you could be looking at. Oliver Moore, the center from the U.S. National Team Development Program. It depends on if a player like maybe even uh, Michkov drops in the draft. Another player I saw recently gaining some traction, Axel Sandin Pelica, a somewhat undersized mobile offensive defenseman. I think he's about five foot eleven. That would track with what Kyle Dubas. One of the things Kyle Dubas did in Toronto. I think Rasmus Sandin is perhaps the most notable example of Dubas drafting. Uh, mobile, offensive-minded defenseman. I think Sandine Pelica is a right-handed shot, if I'm not mistaken. So, And it's an awesome name, too, Axel Sandine Pelica. I mean, that would be awesome, having on a blue line, on the Penguins' blue line in a couple of years. So there's definitely uh, a wide variety of forwards that could fall. Nate Danielson, the center from the WHL. So there's definitely a, a couple of different ways that you could go about this. Do you keep revamping the decor, adding a player like Sandine Pelica alongside Owen Pickering? Do you go and get 
a player like Matthew Wood at six foot four, six foot five, and develop the forward prospects now. The, we know that Kyle Dubas, as recently as this past Friday, said that he was going to going to keep that that number fourteen overall pick unless he shocks us all and trades it away to dump a salary or what have you. Uh, those are the players that I would maybe keep an eye out on: Zach Benson, Matthew Wood, Sandine Pelica, Perot. If a player like Michkov does fall, absolutely you take him. I think we talked about that last week on last week's mailbag. Nate Danielson, Oliver Moore. Uh, those kinds of players in the early teens, perhaps, or early early 20s, late teens, right outside the top 10, those kind of players are who I would be focusing in on as we get closer to the first round. Question number five comes from Brian. If the Flyers are truly committed to rebuilding, which is a total Philly thing, doing it now and not trying for Bedard as they could have done last season, and Carter Hart is available in Philadelphia, if he is available, Robbie, would you be in favor of acquiring Carter Hart from the Philadelphia Flyers? Based on pure curiosity, Brian would be interested with him as a tandem alongside Jari, considering that they're close off the ice. You know, ever since his name started popping up in trade rumors, I've been kind of thinking about this. Man, I kind of go back and forth on it because, one, he's still so young. Two... Despite showing moments of brilliance, very inconsistent. And I just, I, I'm kind of at a loss with wh- how, what my feelings on Carter Hart are. I think it would be a better option than Casey Smith, Tristan Jari. Because uh, I definitely believe that Carter Hart's an upgrade over Casey Smith, at the very least. So, if the price would be right and Philly be willing to dance, again, don't see that necessarily happening. I... If you could make it work, then I'd be okay with it because I think anything that involves a different tandem than Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith next season is is a positive. And more so on the Casey DeSmith end than the Tristan Jari end, sometimes beggars can't be choosers. But, I mean, if the price was right and, and you could make it work, I think I'd be okay with Carter Hart and Pittsburgh. Uh, a lot of factors would have to go into this, obviously. The Flyers... I mean, they had a truck member, the trade with Mark Streit in 2017. They literally had to launder it through Tampa Bay because Philly didn't want to trade directly with the Penguins. So you had that whole that whole situation. So it, it wouldn't be a clean trade. It wouldn't be an easy trade. But if, if it's something you could make work, it is definitely an improvement over uh, what the Penguins have on the roster right now. Uh, question number six, again, from Brian. Rob Rossi proposed a trade that goes as follows. Pierre-Olivier Joseph, Ty Smith, Mikel Granlin, uh, the 14th overall pick, uh, to Calgary for Noah Hannafin, and Calgary's first-round pick, which is 16th. What do you think of that proposal? Robbie, I'm not one to openly criticize a guy like Rob Rossi and those who work at The Athletic, but, I mean, looking at... If this really is what he suggested... I mean, Noah Hannafin is perhaps, you could make the argument, the best defender who is on the trade market right now. Does P.O. Joseph, the combination of P.O. Joseph, Ty Smith, and Mikel Granlin, and the Penguins' first rounder, is that really enough of an enticing package for Calgary to swap first rounders and acquire 
an elite defenseman who would immediately bolster the top four in Noah Hannafin. I mean, Joseph and Smith are... You, they're largely unproven commodities. Joseph obviously had some experience over the last couple of years. Ty Smith spent last season largely in the AHL due to cap constraints. I I, I don't see how this, this package on the Penguin side, if you're looking at it from Calgary's perspective, they go, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do that. Because Granlin's contract is a, an absolute sandbag of a contract for any team that's going to acquire him. POJ, POJ and Ty Smith, yeah, they're they're young defenders with maybe a little bit of upside. I'm not going to say either prospect is a world beater at this point. I just don't see where Rossi was going with this proposal. I, I don't see it as something that could be accepted from Calgary's point of view because of how elite Hannafin is. You're basically swapping first rounders, which would be a, a slight downgrade for the Penguins. But for Calgary to take on Granlin, POJ, and Ty Smith... I just don't think enough of it is there to entice Calgary, at least in this current form. Question number seven, also from Brian. What type of player would you want to build your bottom six around? Somebody that can skate, somebody that can be effective. I mean, the the whole lack of any kind of efficiency in the Penguins' bottom six is alarming. So someone that can skate, someone that can forecheck, needs to be able to play that Mike Sullivan system. Has a little bit of grit, never hurts. Um, just someone that, just if you look back at the Penguins teams that in 16 and 17 that won the Cup, uh, guys like a, a Nick Bonino in that in that prime, Carl Hagelin, um, again, it just all worked so well. You had the speed, you had the tenacity, the forechecking. They could score when they had to. It just, you kind of just want a guy like that and some names um, again, the free agent pool isn't great, but for guys like that, it's actually not the end of the world. Now, if you're looking for top six guys, yeah, the cover gets pretty bare pretty quick, but if you're looking for bottom six guys, a name that pops up is a Michael Bunting uh, in Toronto, who obviously Kyle Dubas has history with Pierre Engvall, another guy who Kyle Dubas has history with. A Garnet Hathaway, who's maybe less on the scoring side, but adds more of that grit, uh, is a free agent from Boston. He was with Washington uh, for a while. Is a guy with um, that could provide good depth in that bottom six. So my biggest my biggest focus on those guys is someone that can play Mike Sullivan's system and play it well, be efficient, and there's so much. That was wrong with that bottom six this year, but it's not again. It's not impossible to fix it. You just got to make sure you get the right guys. And I think with it sounding like Dubas and Sullivan are on the same page, those right guys are, are going to be the ones they go after. Uh, question number eight from Brian. I guess this counts as this week's food question. Uh, did either of you try uh, the burger setup the Penguins had? outside the arena for the home opener and playoff games back between 2015 and 2017. They had this chili bacon bur- burger that was absolutely incredible. I do not remember this at Neither all. Neither do I. Um, I, have, I have no, I thought it was going to be a question about like the burgatory inside the arena. And I had no recollection of this <laughs> ever at all. I don't know I where mean, it was or anything, but I had no yeah. recollection. I mean, yeah, I mean, me, me, me too. I, 
Brian, if you want to elaborate perhaps next week or once you hear this, give me a shout on, on give, give me a DM on Twitter and I can elaborate after the fact. I, I have just no idea where this would have been because I went, I, I mean, I went to a couple of games, especially in, in 16 and 17, especially playoff games. Uh, but a chili bacon burger, that does sound that right up my alley. Divine. I mean, we, you know that we're burger people. Um, so yeah, I, I, maybe I don't, again, I just have no idea if it was like a mom and pop kind of joint that the penguins were like in partnership with, or if it was like a, uh, an actual like chain place. Uh, yeah, I just do not have a recollection of this at all, but if we can get some follow up from you, Brian, uh, and, and maybe provide some more detail perhaps next week, uh, I give my full stamp of approval for chili bacon burgers and I take your word for it that they are absolutely incredible. But yeah, it's just, it is, that is not ringing a bell for me one way or another. Question number nine, still from Brian. Brian listened to Hunter Hodes and the Locked On Penguins podcast this week. And he talked about trading, Hunter did, talked about trading for Eric Carlson. He proposed that trading one of Petrie and or Granlin plus a pick and perhaps a decent prospect for uh, Carlson. Uh, Hunter says San Jose would retain some of Carlson's cap hit as well. So, Robbie, I think we had a question last week about acquiring Eric Carlson. Under these parameters, with San Jose perhaps retaining some salary, uh, would you again be in favor of acquiring Carlson under these parameters? Yeah, I I do believe it was last week we had a question about Eric Carlson uh, coming to Pittsburgh. And, you know... If it can get Mikel Granlin out of Pittsburgh without giving up that 14th overall pick and without any salary retained, you know what? I think I maybe I'd take hard consideration that Eric Carlson proved last year he still has some game. I think he'd be great in the Penguin system. His defensive numbers not great, but I mean, you you give or take a little bit when it comes to stuff like that. So, but again, I think it would be a very hard trade to make Carlson. It sounds like there is a decent amount of teams calling San Jose on Carlson, uh, and he wants to go to a team that will definitely give him a shot at uh, a Stanley Cup. And if he feels the Penguins are that, then I think that maybe you try to uh, you tr- you try to talk him into it. You try to see if you can make a deal with with San Jose. But again, San Jose has right now a good bit of cap space, but getting rid of him uh, again, they're a team that's still going through transition. They're going to have a very nice – oh, no, sorry. He has uh, – Eric Carlson has four years left on his contract valued at $11.5 million. There would have to be some kind of retainer on that uh, for the Penguins just because simply, yeah, that's a lot of money. Um, though if you're getting rid of Petrie and Granlund, that does cover just about all of Eric, Eric Carlson's contract, so – um, he has a no-movement clause. He, again, would fill the right-handed defenseman role uh, that the Penguins are looking for. And he is 33, but, again, you actually get younger with that deal, with Petrie going out the door. Um, if you can maybe make something happen without giving up that first-round pick, hey, if it gets Mike, Mikel Granlin out of Pittsburgh, then I think you look into it. Uh, question number 10 from Brian. Uh, what are your feelings coming out of uh, Kyle Dubas press conference on Friday. I'm just glad we have a guy in charge that actually seems to have a plan. His statements about adding players with utility for the third and fourth lines really have me hopeful uh, we can get back to winning. 
I try to be a, as objective as possible when it comes to these podcasts and with every with every waking move that Kyle Dubas makes it becomes more and more of a Homer Homer-esque podcast in favor of Kyle Dubas. So <laughs> I mean it it is so refreshing to like Brian says to have someone who has a well thought out and calculated plan. I think one of the big things I took away from that conference was that he was not going to go all out for expensive contracts. He was not going to go and hand out five-year deals to unrestricted free agents. He was going to try and find diamonds in the rough, perhaps gems on the open market who can come in and support Crosby and Malkin and Latang on cheap contracts for perhaps one or two-year deals. That is what we should have been doing for the last five seasons or so. You knew that Crosby and Malkin and Latang and Jari or Flurry or Murray, whoever was in net, you knew that those players were going to command large chunks of the salary cap, and yet we're still out here, the people in charge were still out here trading for players like Mikel Granlund, who, again, nothing against him. I would have signed the same contract, too, if you would have said, here, you can make $5 million. Uh, yeah, absolutely, I would have signed that contract. But for what the Penguins need and the kind of support cast that they needed around Crosby and Malkin to fill out that roster with cheap depth who can play that Mike Sullivan system, as Robbie alluded to earlier, that just fills me with so much excitement. We're recording on the 26th of June. The, the draft is just hours away at this point. This is going to be Kyle Dubas's first real test. And you don't want to say that this draft and free agency period is going to define Kyle Dubas and his tenure as director or president of hockey ops. But this is what I have been waiting for to see this plan finally get put into tangible action. And we'll get to see that for a first glance on Wednesday during round one of the draft. Question number 11, also from Brian. What do you think, Robbie, of this year's Hockey Hall of Fame class that was announced? Brian is glad to see uh, Tom Barrasso finally get inducted, and he wasn't—he was surprised that Vernon was not already in. But what really surprises Brian is Henrik Lundqvist getting in over Zetterberg, or is Brian missing something with regard to Henrik Lundqvist's Hall of Fame credentials? Yeah, Henrik Lundqvist is the best goaltender generation. Um, yeah, a lot of people I saw, it wasn't, uh, just Brian, but there were quite a few people that were kind of like, I mean, Lundqvist was a first ballot no matter what. I mean, one of Vesna went to a final, he was uh, a finalist for the Vesna, I believe three times. Uh, he was a Hart Trophy finalist the year he won the Vesna. Uh, he was the best goaltender of his generation. Uh, it's simple as that. Um, I think people put a lot of weight on. Uh, the Cups, and it was rarely his fault that they weren't winning uh, Stanley Cups. He basically drugged them to the final in 2014. They were just overwhelmed by a better Kings team that year. And I just think, uh, I just it to me, I can't really, uh, I don't really see where the um, kind of questioning comes from him making it over uh, Zetterberg and Mogilny. Mogilny, again, still a complete travesty on at least Mogilny's part. I believe Zetterberg has a strong case and he will get in. But uh, Hank, to me, was an automatic first class or first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt about that. Uh, Barrasso, 
I really didn't think he was going to get in. I really thought that window kind of passed him by, but um, it's great to see him and another member of that, that great Penguins team from the early 90s uh, make the haul, and Mike Vernon uh, getting in as well, a three-goalie class, which is uh, very rare. Um, so, uh, yeah, very good to see uh, those guys get in, and now I guess the waiting game resumes for guys like Zetterberg, Mogilny, uh, Brenda Morin, uh, even Sergey Gonchar. Um, we'll have to try again next year, but yeah, Hank for me was an easy first ballot. Uh, no question about it. Question number 12 from Brian again. Uh, what were your favorite video games growing up? Uh, for Brian, he had a Sega. Uh, it was the Sonic Spinball and Earthworm Jim. And for PlayStation, it was Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Robbie, this is a question that I feel like it would be good to include you in on too. I don't even, Robbie, I don't even know. Did you, did you, were you a big gamer growing up? Um, I'm assuming you are a little bit older than me that you were playing perhaps a lot of what the same as what Brian was playing as well on, uh, with Sega. And I think there was the first generation of PlayStation, perhaps PlayStation two. For me, the first console I got was, I think I got a PlayStation 2 for Christmas when I was like five or six. I remember like the first game that I remember actively playing and have memories of was with, it was Tony Hawk's Underground 1 and Tony mm-hmm. Hawk's Underground 2. And I wasn't, I really, I'd never even skateboarded in my life. I'd known after the fact that Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was like one of the greatest video games ever made. And it was like a defining defining video game for a lot of people in that generation so yeah i started out with playstation playstation 2 um and then i went i got an xbox 360 then i got a playstation 4 now i have a play i have a playstation 5 right now and pc i am a very very active gamer in my in my downtime Mm -hmm. so so, robbie like i said do you have any uh any memories growing up playing video games or were you were you always outside and you no. were one of the outside children? No, we played. We had video games uh, growing up, and one of the ones that I really like the first ones I really got, I guess you would say, addicted to was on the PlayStation Two. We got NBA Street Volume Two, and let me tell you that I played this game. I was obsessed with this game. I've I've tried to find ways to download this game onto my computer, and I cannot find an emulator good enough to play it uh, for a PlayStation 2. Uh, We also had the Backyard Sports games uh, on PC uh, growing up, and I have found, like, emulators for those, which is fantastic. Um, And I still play those now, but I would die if they came back out with, um, like, an updated version of those games. And the NHL games were also uh, massive in my family growing up, and Madden as well, but most of the NHL games, I had like every NHL game going back to like the mid nineties for at, at the very least, uh, PC. And then, uh, into the playstations when I started going into PlayStation. This is well, not really off topic. I Robbie, I don't know how much time you spend gaming on PC nowadays, but for someone like me, I know EA recently cut within the last couple of years, they, a lot of their sports titles were not ported over to PC. They were strictly console titles. And uh, for the longest time, me and my buddies, we still do this today. Like, we'll get whenever the new Madden or NHL comes out. Like, we'll get together and we'll do online franchises and we'll take control of teams and, and you know, go through the season and play the games and all that stuff. But one of the things very recently that I've come to realize that I would absolutely love, 
And I think I talked about this a couple of years ago on Pensburg at one point. I really wish EA would port over a lot of the newer NHL titles. I think they stopped yeah. doing it. They, they stopped did, doing yeah. it. Yeah, and like the the PC that I have now, I have like a 3080 or a 3090 graphics card. I kind of splurged and bought myself a, a better PC uh, last Christmas. So yeah. I have a really hefty machine that can really do some damage even at max settings. And I would just, I would love to just be seeing that ice like full 60 FPS and, you know, just scoring yeah. goals. I, they just, they don't do it. I don't know why That's, EA doesn't do it. It's like the only EA sports game they don't port. I mean, I know they make their money from Madden yeah. and FIFA. Yeah. That, you know, which, which, uh, this is a conversation for perhaps another time, but. I mean, the, the microtransactions with Ultimate Team, I know that's where they make their money. And that's probably part of the reason why they're not putting those resources into other PC ports, which is ridiculous. But yeah. I, anyway, I digress. We'll move on to question number 13. Brian asks you, would you be open, Robbie, to bringing back Teddy Bluger to the Pittsburgh Penguins? Given the right line mates, maybe he could get back on track, back on the right track that we had him just a few seasons ago. Personally, I think I'm done with the Teddy Bluger experiment. Um, there's a reason they traded him, and it's just kind of, in my opinion, just time to let it go. I mean, we've tried. He's just never going to be the offense they need in that bottom four and or bottom six. And I'm just kind of ready to like, hey, we gave it a shot. We we had a good time, but it's time to move on and. Uh, try something different. And I think there's going to be plenty of options out there. And I'm not even anti, anti Ryan Paling. I think we've talked about that before. So overall, just, yeah, just kind of ready to kind of move on from that and uh, see what else is out there. 13, we're on question number 14 from Brian. Much to my dismay, meaning Brian's dismay and maybe yours as well. Uh, it has now been confirmed that Jordan Stahl will be returning uh, to Carolina. Um, he will be their captain, obviously. Um, it was fun to dream about him coming back, but it doesn't seem like it'll last. It's sad that we could not talk his return into existence. For those, yes, that have been listening over the last couple of months, uh, this is a rather somber time for, for myself, and I would really appreciate some thoughts, my sending thoughts my way and to Brian's way, because... Uh, yes, Jordan Stahl has agreed to a four-year deal with the Carolina Hurricanes, a four-year contract worth $11.6 million that was uh, announced on June 24th, and it looks like Stahl will round out his career with the Carolina Hurricanes. So, yes, it is a very, uh, very somber, very sad time over here at the Skating Penguin Network for myself and for Brian and perhaps other listeners that the lost son, Jordan Stahl, will indeed not be returning to Pittsburgh. But with Kyle Dubas at the helm of the ship, we know that there are greener pastures ahead, hopefully. And now we will turn our attention to the free agency period to hope that we can get someone on that third line who can come in and be a more competent third line center. But we do know for certain, unfortunately, it will not be Jordan Stahl. Question number 15 from Brian. What kind of fun destruction, Robbie? I don't know if I would call this fun. If the Penguins signed 
Radko Gudis and paired him with Mark Friedman, probably on the bottom pair. I mean, obviously, we know that Mark Friedman's a bit of psychopath. I'd love to see him get uh, maybe a bigger role this season, but uh, absolute crazy. Gudis, I mean, yeah, Gudis, he has a reputation. Yeah, he is tough as nails, can be dirty. And I'm sure those two together would create some mayhem on the ice. I definitely don't think we'll see it, but I guess fun to dream what those, what kind of mayhem and chaos those two could create. I guess they'd be like a, what's that, an Allstate commercial with mayhem? Yeah, create like a little Allstate commercial yep. uh, between them two, uh, duking it out um, against the opponent. But yeah, I mean, Mark Friedman obviously definitely has a, a wild man streak in him, and uh, Gudis has a pretty long, lengthy reputation uh, from his time in the NHL, and I'm sure those two on the ice together uh, would definitely not be a fun time for the opposing team. Uh, question number 16 from Brian. Uh, with the fire sale seemingly at full burn in Calgary, with Tyler Toffoli making his intentions known, he's not open to resigning, would you like to see him in Pittsburgh? This would be interesting. If Jason Zucker walks to free agency, could you see Toffoli as perhaps a replacement? Toffoli is 31 years old and has one year left on his current contract, runs through the 2023-24 season with a cap hit of $4.25 million. This season was a career year for Toffoli. 82 games played the first time in his career. Actually, no, the second time, my apologies, the second time, the first time since the 2015-16 season where he scored over 30 goals. This season, he had 34 goals, 39 assists, 73 points. He was a plus 16. So by far and away, the the biggest point total of his career, the second time he scored over 30 goals, playing in all 82 games for Calgary. Uh, I... Do I, I would not be opposed to bringing Tyler Toffoli in if, if Jason Zucker walks in free agency. Again, you, you'd have to work out another contract for him because it is, it's expiring after this season. He is 31. He just turned uh, 31 earlier, uh, earlier this year. So, again, you do have an older forward. Tyler Toffoli does, he's listed as a center according to hockey reference, and he's a right-handed shot. I don't know if he has played a lot of wing in his time. I'd have to go back and look and see in his time with the Kings and uh, the, I think he was with the Montreal Canadiens for a little bit as well, but I I wouldn't be opposed to it on, on a short term kind of deal. You always have to watch out. Even in Zucker's case, you have to watch out how long of a contract you're giving to a player like a Zucker or to Foley, because you have to really take into account the aging curve. And obviously players, as they get older, are going to produce less and less. That's just the reality, uh, the reality of professional sports. So I wouldn't be opposed to it if the deal was right. Question number 17, also from Brian. Robbie, are you disappointed to hear that the NHL will not be doing any specialty warm-up jerseys next season? I mean, we all kind of saw something like this coming, didn't we? The most NHL solution to the most NHL problem possible. It kind of sucks that it's come to this, really, right? I mean, I don't really know what to say. I mean, it's just a very NHL solution. Uh, let's put it that way. And the people hurt the most are the ones that could most benefit, um, which are obviously the charities that benefit from specialty nights. Um, again, it looks like 
you'll still have your theme nights, which, yeah, they're still going to do auctions, and they apparently will still create uh, the specialty jerseys being, like, military jerseys, St. Patrick's jerseys, uh, the Pride Night jerseys, and it just, it's a very NHL solution to a very NHL problem, and, uh, again, it's the people that are hurt the most are those that are most most likely to benefit, and it's just really unfortunate that it's come to this situation. Uh, but the NHL decided that this was apparently such a distraction um, that they felt like they had to step in and create uh, this quote-unquote solution with seemingly no uh, player input. Uh, no, it just the owners told the commissioner, here's what we want. And Gary Bettman does it, and uh, just an unfortunate situation all around. And hopefully, the teams still go forward with their theme nights, and the charities can still benefit from auctions and other kind of fundraisers that go on. And hopefully, the jerseys um, are still made and still purchased, and still still go to benefiting those organizations that will suffer from all this. But uh, just a really unfortunate ending to a really unfortunate situation. Uh, question number 18 from Brian. Uh, just curious as to what you do if no one asks any questions from one of these mailbags. I believe that has happened before. Um, there's been a few where I was the only asker. Uh, good thing I love the game uh, and love talking shop uh, about our favorite team. Yeah, Brian. Uh, I know since you're probably listening to this right now, whenever it is you are listening to this, uh, the fact that I don't know if we've said this outwardly on a podcast before. I know I've talked to Robbie about it in private. Uh, the, the fact that, Brian, you can create off, off the top of your head like 15, 16, 17 question mailbags. I mean, you're making our job so easy. You're keeping us in business, my dude, like coming in <laughs> week, week after. I mean, even the majority of the questions in this mailbag have your name next to them. So, um <laughs> What would I mean? There, there, like Robbie said, there have been times in the past where we haven't gotten much, if any, interaction. And if that's the case, then we would probably, like, if a week came where we literally got zero questions, we would probably just put it on the shelf for the week and come back next week. I am more amazed at the fact that we're getting as much interaction. I think we're getting the most interaction we've ever gotten here since we started podcasting back in yeah. 2018. And the fact that we're getting this interaction in the summer months after hockey is done being played, granted, the Penguins are going through a bit of a metamorphosis with Kyle Dubas and the draft and free agency. So it is a busy part of the NHL calendar, but it really just goes to show how kind of crazy the, the listener base has evolved into what it is now. And, you know, I, I say it all the time, you know, I, I can't believe that people come back and, and, you know, willingly download this podcast and listen to these two knuckleheads just answer questions about the Penguins and, and hockey-related questions. I think it's just r ridiculous, um, but in the best way possible, in the absolute yep. best way possible. So, uh, Brian, thanks to you. Thanks to guys like Snail and everyone else who I may not be able to think of off the top of my head who has come back, not even if you're asking questions, but even just downloading and listening week after week. I mean, I can't thank you enough for letting me talk into a microphone for like 45 minutes every week or so, and you guys just keep coming back and want to hear what we have to say. So for that, I, I, I appreciate it wholeheartedly, 
And, uh, you know, that's why we're going to continue to create podcasts into the future. All right. The last three questions this week come from Woody, who asked a question earlier in the mailbag. Question number 19. Robbie, if you had to choose one of these three players to trade, who would it be? Jake Gensel, Ricard Raquel, or Brian Rust? Woody says out of the three, he would trade Brian Rust. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Woody on this, and I was kind of mulling it over uh, throughout the day when I uh, saw this question was going to be mine. And I, it, it just feels like if you look at the three guys, he's probably the right one. I think Raquel being a true sniper um, proved it this year. Gensel, yeah, contract questions are there, but again, with Crosby, the dude's going to score 30, 35 guaranteed. And if he's healthy all season, it's going to be more. Uh, you just know how it's going to be with him. Um, I think he has a 50-goal season in him somewhere, so uh, fingers crossed on that one. And I just think the most the most tradable, maybe not tradable is not the right word. I'm not saying he'd bring the, the, he'd bring the biggest return. I just think it's Brian Russ. I just, I, just the vibe uh, I'm kind of getting. Uh, around him i think he his contract's still still fine uh, he can still score there's no doubt about that um i just think that he opens up the most opportunities and um i i think that if i had to pick one uh, it'd be russ i think he'd be the the least hurtful to lose uh between those three i think he'd be the easiest to replace let's put it that way uh, question number 20, uh, Garrett mentioned this is from Woody. With Tristan Jari having a chronic hip problem, why would Dubas even consider bringing him back? To me, there is there is absolutely no upside to re-signing him. There are goalies that will be available uh, to replace him. Simply put, the only reason you bring Tristan Jari back is because even if he is on an expiring contract, the goalie market, the UFA goalie market is not an attractive one this season. Yeah, there are definitely rumblings. If the Penguins could go out and acquire Connor Hellebuck in a trade from the Winnipeg Jets or UC Soros, then yeah, absolutely. I'd let Tristan Jari walk in a heartbeat. Thanks for your service. But, um, you know, we decide to go in a different direction with a Hellebuck or a Soros because you have to go out and trade and give away assets for those players. You look at a guy like a Frederick Anderson, Freddie Anderson's the, the top name off the top of my head. I can't think of any other UFA impending UFA goalies off the top of my head right now. But if, if let's use Freddie Anderson as an example, Freddie Anderson has his own history of injury and he's 34, 33, 34 years old. So you look at Tristan Jari, who's 27, 28 years old. Yeah, he's dealt with injury and inconsistency, but it's just it's just the hand that the Penguins were dealt in terms of the free agency market. Jari is no slouch. I mean, it, he has been an all-star, and he's earned that all-star billing in the past. Can he get to that level of play consistency, and can the injury bug stay away from him long enough to where he can prove himself in the postseason? That's my biggest question. The goaltending question is going to be the biggest one this offseason. Take away the bottom six, take away replacing Brian Dumoulin and improving the top four. What you do with either re-signing Tristan Jari, perhaps even trading away Casey DeSmith to bring in a different face for the backup position, it's going to be perhaps the most important, definitely the most interesting question. But yeah, 
if Jari, if it is confirmed that he does have a, this chronic hip problem, that's definitely going to scare a lot of general managers away into giving him a six or a seven year deal. If I'm the general manager and I'm looking to bring back Jari, I'm only bringing him back at max. I'm, I'm giving him a three year deal. If he doesn't like it, then walk away because I'm not extending him beyond three years. I think that's more than reasonable given the current window of where this team is going to be in three years with Crosby and Malkin and Latang, and then you readjust and go from there three years from there. But the the UFA market is not an attractive one this season for goaltenders. You'd have to give up quite a few assets to give or to go get a UC Soros or a Connor Hellebuck. So you have a former all-star in Jari on your roster. Can you negotiate with him and figure out a price? Well, that that's going to be up to Kyle Dubas and Jari's representatives over the next, really over the next several hours until we hit this Saturday, July 1st, unrestricted free agency. The final question in this week's mailbag comes from Woody, and it's another trade question. Robbie, who do you feel would bring more value in a trade, P.O. Joseph or Ty Smith? Because Woody believes out of the two, Joseph has more trade value. Yeah, I'm going to agree with uh, Woody there simply because Joseph has a greater track record now at the NHL level. Um, Ty Smith still has first-round pedigree, but maybe teams look down on him a little bit since he didn't crack this roster on a full-time basis last season. Again, not necessarily the whole story there, obviously, because of salary cap issues. But I think P.O. Joseph, he has a track record. He has pretty decent numbers at the NHL level. Uh, so I think that overall, uh, if I had to put them up against each other, I would lean P.O. Joseph has a better trade value. And again, I think he'd be easier to package uh, maybe to get uh, to make a trade this offseason. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what Kyle Dubas does, how he views these two players. But if I'm putting them up against each other, I'm leaning uh, P.O. Joseph uh, for the better trade value uh, and maybe more likely to leave this offseason should it come to that. Alrighty, that will do it. 21 questions in, 21 questions out. That will wrap up another edition of the Pens Cast Mailbag. And as we've mentioned and talked about before on this episode, this week being one of the crazier weeks in the NHL calendar with the first round of the draft and the impending arrival of unrestricted free agency, I will get together with Robbie. We are definitely going to have some content pushed out this week with regard to the Penguins draft picks. What I was thinking about doing was, depending on Robbie's schedule, of course, uh, we'll, he and I will get together and maybe map out what we'll do as sort of a recap to the draft. If if we can't uh, get a time ironed out with the both of us, I think the least that I will do is just come on and record perhaps a little five to seven minute synopsis of a, the Penguins draft picks, who they draft, if any trades are made with the Penguins at the draft, we will talk about those as well. But this is what we have been looking forward to uh, since we started talking about it really back in March when we kind of had the feeling that Ron Hextall would be out. We would be looking forward to free agency and the draft as the first signs of change for the Penguins under this new regime. So until then, until the draft and free agency, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Penscast Mailbag, and we will talk to all of you again very soon.